we could look at 20 different situations or relationships in our life. There's only one common thread in all of them, and that's us. And whilst there'll be situations where other people genuinely do have a role or even apparently responsibility, when we claim that for ourselves and recognize that even the fact that we were in relationship or in that situation in the first place was our choice, conscious or unconscious, we get the power to actually start to transcend whatever's showing up and move in a different direction. So complete ownership is my top tip for breaking the cycle of circumstance. Welcome to Millionaire Secrets, the podcast where we dive deep into the minds of millionaires and entrepreneurs living their version of success. So you can get there too. This podcast was born from my own personal obsession with learning from successful people. And I have traveled the world in order to put myself in a room with the best of the best, millionaire and billionaire entrepreneurs, celebrities with massive influence and icons who are changing the world with their message. My name is Bethan Jepson. I'm an award-winning entrepreneur and I'm on an absolute mission to make wealth, success, influence and change accessible to everyone who is willing to do what it takes to earn it. Get ready for some amazing interviews where we reveal some epic and unheard of millionaire business and lifestyle secrets. I'm on a personal journey of seeking my own version of business success, but without sacrificing my happiness. If you believe in the success without sacrifice ethos too, then I invite you to join the free Success Circle Network community where we collaborate, problem solve and support each other. You can get all the information via my website at bethanjepson.com. Season two is finally here and we've had a bit of a makeover. We've got a new team, new guests, new YouTube channel and new questions designed to reveal the inner workings of a millionaire mind. Pretty much the only thing that hasn't changed is me, your host. <laughs> to kick off season two, we have the master of success himself, Daniel Mangina. After receiving a late diagnosis of Asperger's and experiencing what can only be described as life-shattering trauma at the age of just 20, Daniel spent the next seven years struggling to keep these revelations and events from spilling into every area of his life. As a result of his struggles, Daniel built a simple four-step system called the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Initially built as a lifeline to help Daniel grapple with suicidal thoughts, Beyond Intention was born, transforming Daniel's own life from misery to celebration and big success as a motivational speaker and coach. The books he has authored, his Do It With Dan podcast series, which is available on all major podcast platforms, um, his regular blogs, published articles and worldwide workshops have all helped thousands across the globe. His prolific work recently earned him a spot in the Wall Street Journal as a master of success. And he's also been seen on ABC, NBC, CBS and Fox. It was an absolute joy recording this podcast with Daniel. And I felt his words in, and his impact in my soul. I've never left a recording so at peace and so confident in my place in this world. It's no wonder he is ranked as a coach alongside the likes of Tony Robbins. You can follow Daniel via his website at dreamwithdan.com. And then there's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well, which is at dreamerceo. Both Daniel and I would love to hear your takeaways from this episode. So please share these on the social platform of your choice, tagging us in. For now, please enjoy this episode. 
Wonderful. Welcome, Daniel, to Millionaire Secrets. It's so lovely to have you here. Lovely to be here. <laughs> that was a great little uh, finger finger clip. <laughs> the YouTubers will get a kick out of that. <laughs> lovely. Um, so our listeners will know that we always start off with, uh, I used to call them rapid fire questions, but people never really answered them that rapid. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, endeavour not to disappoint by taking my uh, time too much. I've just changed them now to just kind of general get to know questions. <laughs> <laughs> questions to be answered in as speediently as you can. But if you don't, then I'm not yeah, going to so rapid fire anymore. It yeah. never really happens. Um, <laughs> But yeah, but I actually like, I like starting with these questions because it's the same for everybody. So you get to do the whole like compare and contrast thing. Ooh, nice. <laughs> also, Daniel, where do you live? I live in Cabo, Mexico. Oh, wow. Okay. And okay. First of all, let me ask, how did you end up there? Because that's <laughs> quite an exotic location for a Brit. So. Yeah, it rains here 12 days a year. It wow. In winter, it drops to like 23 24 oh my gosh that is the dream (laughs) it's not too bad it's not too bad bad. so yeah um, I I left the UK 2017 I went off on my journey okay to go and spread the word of beyond intention around the world and I was all over the gaff um I was in um, parts of Asia I was in the Middle East in the Americas bits of Europe and then some friends asked me to house it for them in another part of Mexico and then another friend of mine has been trying to get me down here for like ever to do some speaking. And um, she's like, oh, just come, just come, just come. And I was in Florida doing a workshop and she's like, just come. So I was like, okay, come. And I was like, I call myself happy hobo. So I had like my suitcase and my backpack and my suit carrier and that was it. And I did that for, for a couple of years. So I went there, came for three days, three days turned to 10. And then I just moved into a hotel and decided to stay. <laughs> and that was, that's how we ended up here. Amazing, amazing. And where did you grow up? East London. Okay. Born and raised in East London. Mm-hmm. Amazing. What was your first job and what did it teach you? Um, I've actually only had two jobs in my life. Um, one I needed, one I didn't. My first job I didn't need. Um, it was at a cinema called Stir Century Cinemas. And um, I just wanted something to do that summer because I was a bit bored. And my friend Andrew was like, hey, come work at the cinema. Some really cool people work here. I can get you a job. Like I'm well in with the manager. And I went and I got the job and I loved it. So I stayed that summer serving popcorn and Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Um, (laughs) I got my two best friends, Nathan and Jamie, that I've still been friends with to this day, 20 something years later. And um, yeah, uh, that was my experience. Amazing. And did did it teach you anything that you kind of took with you or was it just fun and... It was fun and I, I I actually started to plant the seeds of learning to have friends. Um, I was late diagnosed with Asperger's. So at the time I didn't know that I was autistic. I just thought mm-hmm. I was really socially awkward and didn't really know how to get up with people. So my friendship circle was like cousins, mums, friends, kids that kind of had to put up with me <laughs> and my sister's friends that I kind of just tagged along with. Uh, but this was like my first like friends that I made that were my own that didn't have to be my friends they just chose to be my friends so how does that you know not understanding yourself like as a child and teenager like how did that like how did that affect you do you think like not understanding the ways the way that you were well even when I look at like the gunk that I've experienced in my life like even the, the the circumstances under which I lost my first and second 
multi-million pound fortune by the age of 24. Both times it was really, when I really dig into it, yeah, there was some screwing over and all of that kind of good stuff. But had I known how to actually deal with people, I don't think I would have been in the same situation. Had I known how to read people mm. and how to actually see what good people are, I probably wouldn't have even been in those relationships in the first place. So a big part of, I mean, I think humanity is a, is a sum, sum total of the humans that make it up. Mm. The, sum to, the humans that make it up connect with each other. So it's those connections with each other that make up the world that we live in. Um, our ability to connect with others depends on our ability to connect with ourselves. And if we don't know ourselves, how can we connect with ourselves more fully? Yeah. So my entire world, because I think everything comes from and through other people. Everything mm. comes from and through other people. So my entire world was predicated on this thing that I didn't know how to do, which is to connect with others because I didn't know how to connect with myself. So understanding, oh, you're on the autistic spectrum, you've got Asperger's and what that means, what my superpowers are and using that to heal that disconnect within myself just made my life a lot better. Mm, yeah, 100%, I can imagine. Mm. Did you have a, a role model or a mentor that inspired you to start your business? And if so, who was that? I've got a lot of mentors. Um, uh, I've been really blessed that I've, I've got some really influential people that have taken me under their wing. Um, Emmy, 11-time Emmy Award winner, Nick Nanton's a mentor of mine. Greg Reed, who writes books for the Napoleon Hill Foundation, is a mentor and a friend of mine. Like through him, he's got millionaires and billionaires up the wazoo. So I've got people that I get to, to call and get counsel from. It's been, it's been really powerful. In terms of the business I do now, um, a big impact on having the openness to accept the gift of the possibility to do this was actually a book called The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. Oh, oh my um, God, I love that book. So <laughs> amazing book, right? So, I mean, when I, when I rebuilt my life and I came to a place that I really loved, I built up another seven-figure business. Um, I was really chill. I lived in a lovely part of London. I flew first class had about I think, four Rolex watches or something stupid like that. I didn't need anything from anyone. I was really, really chill. And the more and more it became clear that my journey really had to serve others. I was kind of holding on to this idea that I, I didn't want to go down that route again of involving other people in my life. I had my safe little happy cocoon and I didn't want anybody to invade it. Um, but heeding the call fully was definitely supported by reading that book. I, I was kind of getting into it. I was like a uh, half, like one foot in, one foot out. But definitely um, reading that book and going through the surrender experiment myself is what really allowed me. Because I, I'd, I'd given up everything in the UK. I'd left, but I, I wasn't kind of all in. I was, I was all in in terms of like I was living off my savings. I'd given up my business, like walked away from my business. And I'd committed to that part of the journey, but not to the fullness of the journey. But it was after going on my own surrender experiment for two or three months where I literally just, I just followed the breadcrumbs of life and saw what happened that I settled. That's when I came here and I was like, yeah, let's do it. And mm. I've been, I've been all out since then. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, there's so many questions I want to ask you about that, but I'm going to save those for later. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Otherwise we'll be here all day. <laughs> um, what was a big lesson that you've taken from 2020? Do you know what's really interesting about 2020? 2020 was a great year for me. Uh, got to be a dad. Got a three-month-old son now. Amazing, congrats. Just lovely little human, thank you. Um, it was interesting to watch 
people's reactions to 2020, um, especially doing the work that I do, you know, seeing everybody turn into like a healer or like a had a spiritual awakening or turn into a constitutional lawyer or like a medical doctor. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just funny watching people try to make sense of something. And I think one of the biggest lessons I got was how easy it is for us to lose sight of the fact that a lot of the time we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what's going on. Uh, we don't have a conscious relationship with what we're creating. I mean, look at the number of people that finally had to actually have a relationship with their kids or with their spouse mm. because they didn't have school and work and after school stuff getting in the way of you actually having a real connection and then how people responded to that. It was rough for a lot of people because for the first time they were faced with the truth that they don't actually choose their own life. They've been running on an autopilot. That's been disrupted. It was uncertain and we didn't know how to deal with that. I didn't really have that experience <laughs> because <laughs> I do create my own life. But number two, I, I wasn't as badly affected here uh, by everything that's going on. But it was really interesting to watch and to ask questions of myself and just to explore that, watching what was happening around the world. Mm, okay, yeah, interesting. Um, so what's next for you then? What's your next big goal? We've got some really yummy things on the horizon. Um, I'm going to be in a film this year um, oh by some award-winning award film people. They made a, a documentary called Leap um, and I signed some paperwork. They won like six awards or something like that for that movie. I signed some paperwork with them a couple of weeks ago, so they're going to be recording that this year. I'm also looking at doing my own TV show. Um, I've been putting together a production team for that and getting some advice from, from, from Nick, obviously. Um, working on my next book, um, which probably I'm going to get out later this year. Um, yeah, those are like my, my big, my big things for, for 2021. Yeah, well, that's plenty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just a couple. <laughs> that sounds like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, I think, because I imagine you're going to be learning so much because, oh, yeah, yeah I mean, it doesn't, if you've not been in a film before, I can imagine. <laughs> new experiences, completely new experiences, even down to um, the, 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 the documents process and, we're going to be doing this at that time and that at that time. And this is going to be happening. That's going to be happening. And I've actually, um, I've actually invested in the movie as well. <laughs> so I'm going to be a producer. So yeah. I'm going to get to see a little bit what's going on behind the scenes and really understand it and learn from some people who are really great at what they do. And is this something that you actively pursued or is this kind of fallen on you? Um, so my speaking coach um, was involved with the movie and um, she basically put me forward and they checked me out and interviewed me and they were like yeah we'll definitely come and be a part of the project so it was relationship capital driven nice so nice. yeah what's the bravest thing that you've ever done oh good lord <laughs> bravest thing on the outside it'll probably be jumping out of a plane i did a parachute so people might tell oh, i was jumping out of a plane ah. but i would say Honestly, answering the call to do what I do now, because it meant having to dig up parts of my journey that I don't spend as much time with. Mm. Um, it's a lot of trauma with me around just other people that just getting into my life and being involved in my life. And also that I, 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 there's no 
there's no like guarantees with this. Like for example, when I do a project funding with my consulting, like what I used to do more consistently, I know if I show up, make a proposal, do my best, I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the job. I'm gonna get paid, right? I, I can I can predict what's going on. It might take me six months, it might take me twelve months, but I know what I'm gonna be doing. Now I don't know. I don't know who I'm gonna be serving. I don't know who's gonna be coming to my world. I don't know what the challenges are gonna be. I don't know if I'm even gonna be resourced to support them. I don't know. Um, so definitely that I would say was probably for me one of the bravest things I've done going back into that gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I'm sure lots of people will uh, will resonate with that. So that's uh, that's yeah, that's really interesting. Um, what's a what's a challenge you're facing right now in either life or business? Business is really really good right now. All of my businesses are doing really well. Um, our real estate business has just opened up like a whole new avenue of what we're doing. Um, it's been really cool. Um, the consulting business is just going from strength to strength. We've got some really cool projects right now on the sort of online programs, the coaching stuff that I do. That's just going from strength to strength. We've had more really great results coming into to the new year. So business is cool. Um, my challenge is always interpersonal <laughs> because I have to stay so consciously aware of what I'm doing um, because of the Asperger's primarily, because I just don't have the natural wiring to be in, in relation to people. And so that can get overwhelming a lot of the time. And it's little things that overwhelm me. I don't get overwhelmed by big things. If you said, Dan, go and solve the debt crisis in Argentina, I'd be like, all right, cool. Like, where's my pen? <laughs> like, but something stupid, like I take, I'll give you a primary example. I was out with the family on Saturday, went down to the marina. I was sitting down having lunch. I couldn't find my sunglasses. I nearly had a full on meltdown because we'd left my sunglasses in the Uber. I was like, I can't deal with this right now. <laughs> like my wife had to like message the Uber people and they were calling me and I was like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. I was like, this full of meltdown. And she had to like arrange it and get them to like bring the bring the glasses to the house. And I can't deal with little stuff like that. So those are, hilariously, it's little things like leaving my sunglasses in the back of a taxi that completely caused me to melt down. <laughs> okay, that's so fun. Yeah, that's kind of fair. Uh... Funny, but I can imagine it's actually it wasn't quite at the time. <laughs> it's funny, to, I can laugh about it now, but at the time, I was like, Oh my god, what's going on? I just have to go buy a new pair. I was like, I'm just gonna go and spend another two hundred dollars for another pair of sunglasses. I don't want to have to deal with this. Literally, what I was gonna do. And why is it like, why is it the little things? Like, do you do you understand why that gets you so much? I think for me personally, so. I'm good as long as something makes sense and is systemized. When something's unfamiliar, that throws me off because I've got no structure. So my brain literally goes into meltdown because it doesn't know what to do. So Mm. it's like system, like (laughs) overload, overload. Like with big stuff, I've I've done those things before. Like I understand the systems or at least I'm familiar enough to find my way. When it's stuff that's unexpected and I've got no preset system, it takes a minute for my brain to catch up and say, it's okay. we can actually look at that situation and, and take what we've learned from that situation. Because my wife reminded me, like there was a time I'd left my phone in a, in a car before, which was really hilarious because I actually, I was going somewhere else. So I, she left her phone on the chair. I gave her her, her phone. And then I ended up leaving my phone in the, in the taxi 
And I was like, oh my God, like I can't contact Lyft because Lyft is on my phone and I don't know what to do. Just go on the website. But um, I could have carried that over, but I needed the time to just slow down and just, okay, no, it's not, the world isn't ending. We've been through something similar before. So yeah, it's, it's the lack of similarity and familiarity. My brain just mi- misses the step and then goes into meltdown. Mm, okay, that's, yeah. that's interesting. Mm. Um, what has been the best day in your business career so far? Ooh, I want to say it was when I had the first mainstream recognition of the work that I do. Um, it was when I was in the Wall Street Journal last June or July, I think it was. Um, because it was actually Nick that got me pitched. Um, he got my profile in front of the, the people writing the, 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 the piece. And um, I was like, oh, okay, you know, thanks for, I was like, I was grateful that he'd even said like, he'd, he'd put me forward. Like, no, I believe in you, I'm gonna put you forward. And then I got the word back, like, yeah, all right, you're, you, you're in, you're gonna be in the journal. It's like, what? Like, Masters <laughs> of Success series, oh my God. Now I've had other stuff, I've been in Forbes and I just got listed in Yahoo last week as top 10 coaches to work, look for, out for been interviewed by Jack Canfield, that's going live and I get a lot more sort of mainstream press. But that first one was definitely popping the cherry on it because it's like, mm-hmm. it's it stopped being stuff like people that I know on Facebook and people that other people know on Facebook and maybe you go on some podcasts and stuff like that. This is like the real world is saying, mm-hmm. hang on a minute, you're not full of it. So that really was, I didn't realize how much that impacted my belief even in myself. And you know, no matter who you're talking to, they're always going to say that they face this time when they're like, am I really this person? Is this really? Like the imposter syndrome catches everybody. I don't think there's anybody that doesn't get this. But that was when it was revealed to me how much it was sitting under the surface, but in an expansive way, because I got to get lifted out of it. And that was really beautiful for me. Mm. And so I'm just curious, and like, how long did it take? Like, mm-hmm. how many years of work is that like? I put it this way when I first did the first episode of my podcast 12 people downloaded it (laughs) nice which was funny because a lot more than 12 people sent me well done so you know what I'm talking about you've got a podcast (laughs) a lot more than 12 people said well done Uh, now obviously we get hundreds of downloads and sometimes more depending on you know on the episode and whatnot but that journey to the first book just getting out there and now you get bestseller and now we'll probably get Wall Street Journal for the book that I'm going to do this year because we've got enough we've got enough momentum behind it but um it was around three years but I think it could have been done in a a lot shorter time like people that have come through like my business boot camp that we do the Beyond Success business boot camp they're getting stronger results a lot faster because obviously they get the benefit of my learning curve yeah. but it was kind of fumbling my way through you know for example investing in a PR company too early in my career and just spending thousands of dollars for no reason yeah. right um missing out on opportunities because I, I wasn't ready for them um keeping my prices lower because I didn't think that you know I was worth charging as much um not taking the most advantage out of opportunities I had to, to speak or to, to get in front of people. So there was a lot of stop gaps. So even though it was over a three year period, it wasn't that much time that was spent where the big leaps happened, but it was over that period that I had my learning curves. 
Mm, okay, well, that's cool. Mm. And so on the other side of the coin then, what's been one of the worst days in your business career so far? Ooh, I think it's the first time that, in fact, no, this has only happened once. So I've had a really strict rule with coaching that um, if someone's not showing up, I refund them and that's it. I refund them. And um, because I think showing up is a big part of actually getting the results. And so I, I actually basically ended up having pretty much 100% chat record with getting the results of people that I worked with. And then there's one person who signed up and I've got these strict rules about like, if you've got certain challenges, you're not really allowed to work with me. You need to go and get specialist help. Yeah. That wasn't revealed. Then about a month into the process, it's like, oh yeah, I've got this challenge and I've got that challenge and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, eh. and I didn't listen to my gut. I said, oh, but they've been doing really, really, really well. Like they're really showing up and showing up and, and putting the work in. And then two months in, I guess things, you know, medication and stuff wasn't getting taken and it all kind of went off, off on a kilter. And I still stuck with it because I was like, no, you know, I believe that there's hope here. And in the end, spent three months with someone and I used to do a, a money back guarantee if we don't get the results and got to the end. And they were like, yeah, you haven't helped me. I want my money back. Mm. <laughs> and it's the first, first and only time that that actually happened. And, you know, for a long time, I was like beating myself up. I didn't take on any clients for about three or four months after that, because I was like, I didn't understand what had happened. And um, it, it was it was interesting for me to, to look at the fact that I had actually lost touch with reality and thought I was this all powerful super coach that can overcome anything and I could help anyone. It's like, you can't help everyone. Yeah. You know? and, and some people don't want to be helped. Mm. Some people want to be helped, but they're just not in a place to be helped. And that's not my business. Yeah. So that's the, the time that I learned a lesson that another one of my mentors, David Nagel, gave me, which is you're responsible to the people you work for and serve, not for them. Mm. So it's your responsibility to show up and give your best and give your all. But that's what you can do. You can't actually do the healing for them. Mm. Um, so that was pretty rough because I'd seen so much potential in them actually getting beyond themselves. But there were challenges that we just couldn't get past. Mm. Okay. What's then a top tip for, um, well, let me explain this actually before I ask the question. <laughs> because I would like to uh, ask for a top tip of something that, you know, is a special, like a specialist subject of, of the guests that I've got on. Um, now for you, I wrote down um, top tip for breaking the cycle of circumstance mm -hmm. um, because that just felt like the right, question to ask so it's probably not a straightforward answer but <laughs> if you I've actually probably give... got a straightforward one for you okay perfect give, give yeah. the answer then <laughs> so a top tip for breaking the cycle of circumstance would be accepting full responsibility for the circumstance mm, okay yeah so there's, there's a principle that I teach called the common denominator theory which is a foundation to the work I do with beyond intention and what common denominator theory invites us to look at is that regardless of where we go there we are and we can look at 20 different situations or relationships in our life. There's only one common thread in all of them, and that's us. And whilst there'll be situations where other people genuinely do have a role or even apparently responsibility, when we claim that for ourselves and recognize that even the fact that we were in relationship or in that situation in the first place was our choice, conscious or unconscious, we get the power to actually start to transcend whatever's showing up 
and move in a different direction. So complete ownership is my top tip for breaking the cycle of circumstance. Mm, brilliant. Amazing answer. Um, and I love that answer because, um, yeah, quick divergence here, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's something that I learned uh, quite early on and kind of similar to yourself. I like had this, like I had a trauma and you know I basically you know went on a little mission to to try and overcome it and yeah break the cycle of my own circumstance if you like Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the first things I learned to do with the help of my life coach was to take responsibility and Mm -hmm. it's funny because a lot of a lot of the people who were getting coached alongside me in the same kind of group uh group that we were in didn't want to because they were scared I think that it would enhance the trauma that it would make Mm. it worse um and I think potentially there's a kind of a short-term pain where that might be true but I certainly found like in the long term it's yeah it's the only way to liberate yourself Mm. from it so yeah Mm, 100% um anyway <laughs> celebrating you on that just thought i'd share <laughs> celebrating you on that for sure. thank you very much daniel okay uh this is the last question of the what was rapid fire round which i need a new name for just just the round, <laughs> just the round. <laughs> um but this is actually my favorite question to ask because this, this is kind of speaking from my uh from my ethos mm-hmm. uh and basically what my ethos is is that um yeah my purpose if you like is is I'm trying to build what I call success without sacrifice Mm. in in my own words that's uh you know where I don't have to choose between uh, financial success business success and actually experiencing joy and Mm. and happiness on a daily basis you can can have it all oh yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's my mission um Mm -hmm. so I would love to know Daniel like what's your version of success without sacrifice in your own life and business I think for me if there is a sacrifice and for me when I hear this word sacrifice I'm I'm thinking not so much that it it costs something right because everything's exchange but that it costs something that I I wanted to keep it means giving up or having an opportunity cost that's what for me sacrifice is that's either a pain that I don't have the resources to deal with uh, an exchange that depletes or takes away from me and for me that's not success at all is a long and short of it Mm. for me success is not just getting what you want it's wanting what you get and being happy with the the lay of the land in that getting of Mm. if I get financial success but it means that it costs me my marriage or relationship with my family that's not success for me yeah that's money or a successful business but it's not a successful life Mm. a successful life is a holistic thing because we're holistic beings we don't just operate in one dimension vertically or horizontally and that horizontal perspective of our health our wealth our relationships being filled up and happiness and joy are all in the same pot there'll be different degrees I might be happier with my health than I am with my wealth I might be happier with my wealth than I am with my health but there should be a baseline an acceptable baseline that still leaves us filled up and expanded versus contracted. Mm. Oh, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent per each. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay, so so that actually brings us nicely onto um, the first question I want to ask you, actually, because um, you know I'm, very, I'm I, I love a podcast. I love listening to other people's podcasts, and I love 
learning about success and you know learning about you know what successful entrepreneurs are doing and how they're you know, living and all these kind of stuff um one of the things I've really noticed through my years of study is that a lot of the time successful people do go through traumatic experiences mm-hmm. and part of me wonders whether they would even be like successful in the way that they are like perhaps today mm-hmm. if they hadn't have encountered some of the traumas that they've had in their lives so I just really wanted to understand like your perspective on the impact of trauma in actually creating human beings who are driven and I don't know like it just seems like there's a very there's a connect here and I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure why or what's the, if it's even relevant but what's your take on it so I'm firmly in the camp of infinite possibility and for me, infinite possibility can't be contracted. There's something that once a friend of mine had said to me is that the only thing God can't do is be less than itself because then it's no longer God. Mm. So the second that we start to constrict infinite possibility and say there is only one way to do something or this is the oh, this is the way that it has to be, we've just said that infinite possibility doesn't exist. And that's been scientifically demonstrated to be true. So I don't believe that we have to go through trauma in order to find success. But even when I look at my own life, had I not had the big, taken the big hits, I would have been financially successful, but I would have still been an asshole. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Who knows if I hadn't gone down the path that I did, who knows if I would have been diagnosed with Asperger's. I could have spent the entirety of my life just not knowing, still having severe general and social anxiety, still having crippling insomnia, still having one of those challenges, still not having the experience of tasting what it's like to have real relationships with people because I didn't have that. So I get to celebrate my traumas such as they are now because on the flip side, I get to see the benefit of them. Would I have preferred for it to be a little less disastrous along the way? Probably, yeah, but I'm able to be grateful for them now. Now, does this mean that I wouldn't have gotten here without that? No, it doesn't mean I wouldn't have. But at this level of consciousness, we can't see enough of the playing field to know if there was another way that it was going to happen. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. The other thing I, I do is I always claim, so I'm a certified instructor for a, a modality called reality transurfing. And there's a there's a, a principle in reality transurfing called the advantage principle that basically says, basically life doesn't have the energy to, to crap on you. It just basically mm. gives you what you want in the most low resistance path but we create the space of resistance through who we are by what we're thinking, what we're doing, what we're feeling, the environment that we're in, it dictates what's going to be the easiest path. So basically we also look at the fact that time only exists in the present moment. We've got memories and we've got expectations and that's what the construct of time is memories, present moment and expectations. So here and now is the only thing that's real. So all that really matters in terms of the paths is how I am right now. So here and now I choose that that was the best path for me. And that makes it real. Mm. How that projects in my expectations about what's going to go forward dictates how much resistance I'm going to have to get what I want going forward. So for me, I accept and celebrate all of that and take the benefits of it and take the blessings and know that even if I had made some cock-ups along the way, the fact that I've reframed it here to be my benefit makes it real as being my benefit, regardless of what it was before. Mm. people that go through trauma have an opportunity just as people who go through ups, ups, upswings, continual upswings have an opportunity. 
regardless of what it is from the outside, what matters most is what we do with it. So two people can go through an exact same situation. I think that there's the analogy of two kids, twins that grew up in, with an alcoholic father. One ends up being like an amazing success. One ends up being like a bum and ask, how did you get here? They both respond, have you looked at my dad? Mm. And that's because they both took that circumstance and shifted and reframed it. I believe that there are more people, honestly, that go through trauma and don't come out on top. But we see those people that go through trauma that have actually chosen to be empowered and moved forward by it. And that's why we celebrate them. My invitation to everyone isn't really to consider whether it was the trauma, but to look at the characteristics of the person that succeeded and how regardless of what came their way, they were able to succeed. And if we start to model those principles, which I believe self-responsibility is definitely maybe one of them, mm-hmm. then regardless of what comes, because some people are knocked off by the smallest stuff. They're like me with losing the sunglasses. They don't need to like be sexually molested or held at gunpoint or anything like that. It could be something like a breakup not getting into the school that they wanted. And that could be the thing that throws them off. But regardless of the situation, when we go through life responsible and resourced to transcend the situation, no matter what it is, then we can always be a winner, regardless if it was traumatic or not. Mm. Yeah. And I suppose like there's an element of it that's all like perception based as well, because like you say, you know, if you've never, if you've never gone through, I don't know, significant pain or trauma, and then all of a Mm -hmm. sudden, you know, somebody dumps you. And I yeah. can imagine that feels like the of worst course. thing in the world because it is actually the worst thing in your world. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, okay, interesting. So I'd actually love it if you could just kind of walk us through your journey because you've mm-hmm. done a lot of stuff and <laughs> it's been like some key moments. So yeah, I would love it actually if you could just walk us through in like a bit of a chronological order your life Hi. until this point. <laughs> So um, I know not to ask a young lady how old she is, but were you aware of what was going on with the exam systems in 2001, 2002? Uh, No, I think I was a few years too young for that. (laughs) Okay. So basically what happened is A-levels used to be, you'd study for two years and just take an exam at the end of two years. And that would be it. Then they decided they're going to split it over two years and have AS and A2. Yeah. So at the end of year one, you do half of it and you get a half qualification. You don't have to finish it. That's a qualification in itself. And then you can go to the end of year two. So I ended up having four A levels and two AS levels, for example. Okay, wow. Right. So in my life, I've never had a C in an exam. I've never had a C. I was A's, A stars, and a couple of B's. Right. So... I got into Keeble College, Oxford University to study PPE, politics, philosophy, economics. I was the year that they decided to change the the system. And then there was this big scandal because it turned out that they downgraded everybody's papers. So I ended up losing my place at Oxford. And for the first time, getting told that I'd got like Ds in Es in an exam, which made no sense to me because I've put it this way. For the AS, I got like 100% on my macroeconomics paper. That's how much of a nerd I am. (laughs) <laughs> right. I also got 100% in one of my animals so I can uh... you know I'm talking about you know what I'm talking about hey 100% baby so that turned me into a bit of a tailspin uh, I'm not going to go into the nitty-gritties of it but suffice to say I ended up at Hull University which I didn't want to go to mm. decided that I'm going to be a rebel and go and start a business that I, I didn't know what I was doing 
but somehow managed to fumble my way into making a multi-million pound business with some mates in really short order. And what Except, was that? So it was like loads of stuff. We're doing real estate development. We were doing like wholesale cars. We were importing and exporting stuff to different parts of the world. It just turned into this behemoth. Right. The problem is, is that we funded the business by getting friends and family to put up the money for us to do what we're doing. So mm. friends and family put the money up and we were able to go and do loads of business. We got like loans from banks and stuff. And that's how, how we scaled, made loads of money. That's illegal. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's illegal. <laughs> Even friends and family, it's illegal to take something classed as an investment from someone without a license. Right. So everything got taken away. Anyway, fast forward four years. Later, I managed to build up another multi pound fortune, this time by myself. I wasn't trying to help anyone. I was a bit burnt by that. I wasn't phased by the first. I was like, fuck it. First and foremost, I thought I was going to get all the money back because I was 19, 20 years old at the time. I was like, do you know who I am? Literally, do you know who I am? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Which didn't really go down well with the City of London Fraud Squad, who weren't really interested in who I thought I was. They were interested to teach me a lesson of who I thought I was. So fast track four years made another load. This time, everyone that was supposed to be looking after the money for me <laughs> nicked it all. So oh. They nicked all the money. And then they managed to convict me and I ended up going to jail for the, for the thing that happened before. Wow. So I'm sitting there now, having lost it all twice, basically losing my liberty for trying to help people and ballsing it up. And I was like, oh, this is, this is, and this is the crazy thing. I started looking at all this manifestation and well now they called it manifestation then it wasn't called manifestation only since the secret is called manifestation but I was conscious creation visualization and all this kind of good stuff about the age of 16. Mm. So I was like visualizing and like I'd spend like every morning mentally rehearsing and like designing everything and all that good stuff. So I'm sitting here now looking at everything that's gone sideways and I said well looks like that was all BS it was, it was rubbish. Mm. I've deluded myself that I was creating my own reality, arrogantly telling people, oh, you can create your own reality. This is what I do, blah, blah, blah. And here I was like a monumental failure. I was like, well, I, I can't come back from this. There's, there's nothing to do. I should have just stayed at uni, finished my degree, got married to that mum, that woman mum thought I was going to get married to, gone to church every week and just that been the end of it. I went off on this grand adventure and it's just all come to, to nothing. The only reason why I didn't kill myself is because I didn't have a surefire way of doing it. That's it. And at the, the time, I didn't know I didn't know I had Asperger's. So I didn't know that. And it's thankful. I, I can't act impulsively. Mm. I'm physically incapable of acting impulsively because my brain always has to map through it. And so I mapped through it in my brain. Thank God, Asperger's. And it's like, well, this isn't going to work. And if you fail, it's just going to be as worse as, as a failure, like a, an embarrassment. So I actually set off, get this, I set off to fix what was wrong with how I created my life so that I could successfully commit suicide. So that was my mission. My mission was obviously what I was doing worked up to a point because I would get something, but it wouldn't stay. But here's the thing. If I get the suicide, it can't do a clawback. I can't get a refund on it. It's done. But I didn't want to take any chances. So I went on a mission to study what was wrong with what I did before the lives of successful people, inspiring stories of people who've achieved great things, 
what success is, understanding the mind, understanding the spirit, going back into the esoterics, understanding the construct of reality, reading scientific papers, because I had to understand how reality worked so that it couldn't screw me over and, and not let me commit suicide. But then I ended up spending years with hours a day filling my mind with positive inputs. Mm. So then I wake up one day and I just felt good. And I realized I've been feeling good for a while and that I actually had hope and that actually I could do something with my life and it wasn't the end and that I didn't have to give up and that I didn't have to be counted as down and out and that it wasn't the end of my story and that I was responsible and that I had a role to play even in areas where I was screwed over. Still, what was I doing there in the first place? I hadn't sought wise counsel. When I look at what I teach now with the flow funnel, yeah, emotionally, I was able to, to create these things. Mentally, I was on it. But I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. Had I known what I was doing, had I had some experience, had I had patience, had I sought counsel, had I had some humility, none of these problems would have come. And that gave me a new landing board to rebuild my life from. So um, I started my life again from scratch. Um, I was working in a call center. Um, ex-convicts have a bit of trouble getting a job <laughs> I couldn't even get a job as a cleaner plus I'd had no work experience I'd worked in the cinema when I was a when I was a teenager and now was the only time that I had another job because I actually needed it and that was working in this call center doing mm -hmm. the same customer service call to Volkswagen customers seven minute customer service call over and over again from one one o'clock in the afternoon till 8 30 at night with two 15 minute breaks and a 45 minute lunch break wow and whilst I did that Every morning I was getting up and building my business, building a book of clients, reestablishing relationships, and then having my Blackberry under the desk. I hope nobody from work is listening and going <laughs> to the toilet way too many times to go and do phone calls until I was making just enough from my business to cover my minimum wage job. I wasn't making a king's ransom, just a few deals here and there. And then I managed to get that up to five figures a month. Then I got it up to five figures a week. Then I got it up to six figures a, uh, a month after a few years wow. and that's what I did I built it up from scratch and across that journey more and more what became apparent was that experience meant something and whilst it was something I kept to myself I tried to write about it a few times but every time I sat down to write about it it was a woe is me this is what I've overcome it was either egotistical or victory I think it took me 12 years to write Stepping Beyond Intention which is the book I put out in 2018 12 years 10 years before it got to a place where it was like, this isn't me doing a sob story. This is me actually sharing the empowering story so that people can learn from it and realize that they can have some hope and they can actually create their own life. Yeah. And now I'm here today. Mm, wow. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just mind boggling. Like the, <laughs> the, the resilience it it's, it must've taken to, yeah. to to, to feel powerless and then actively, I mean, I know you said you were, you were, you know, re like, you know, doing a lot of the research uh, mm -hmm. because you're ultimately looking for a way out, but mm -hmm. um, even to just find purpose in that after mm. feeling so, you know, having everything taken away. Mm. I just, yeah, I just think it's amazing. Um, <laughs> why do some people not, not find this journey? Why do some people stay stuck? That's why I'm like, it's not can't, it's not choose. Yeah. It's, what is the word? <laughs> so I've, I've got a, I've got a Danism that the, the mind doesn't lose and the environment doesn't lie. 
the unconscious mind moves at 10,000 to 10 million times the speed of the conscious mind. Mm. And for most of us, we're operating unconsciously most of the time. And I think it was Bruce Lipton that said, like 70% of our unconscious programs, we don't even create ourselves, they're fed to us. So a lot of people are operating on a program, like reading out, like living a film script that they didn't even write, not even knowing that they're in a film. Mm. So a lot of people just don't have that conscious awareness. And when invited to look at something different, their blinkers go up because they're like, this isn't part of my story. I don't, I don't recognize this. So there are a few of us that are shaken, for example, by traumas or by circumstance to see something on the other side of it. We all have the opportunity, but not all of us take up that opportunity to see something on the other side of it. And I I've personally, personally, personally believe that everyone's entitled to their own journey. I've got some down the rabbit hole ideas about what that is, but I believe all of it's a part of the dance that we call life. And although we might not do it this time, infinite possibility means that there's another timeline happening right now where we are living out our purpose. There's one where I'm a bum. There's one where I killed myself. Like all of those possibilities all exist. And I tend to just focus on getting the most out of the one I am living now and to live as an example, to go out here sharing my story and doing this work so that people that are ready to wake up that just need that sort of blinker mm. or that little pinch or the, the water, the splash of water can get it from my experience and, and maybe, maybe realize that there is something different. Mm. Okay. Um, and is that why, is that the, cause what I, what I noticed when I was um, like doing some research and looking on your social media, um, you're obviously like, you are obviously like, connecting with a lot of people otherwise mm -hmm. you wouldn't have an audience of that size and you wouldn't have the mm -hmm. level of engagement that you have mm -hmm. um how how does one i guess i want to say the word branding but i know it's mm -hmm. it's more than that <laughs> mm -hmm. it's this deep sense of like purpose that you feel when you when you come to you know educate the world i guess through social media mm -hmm. um but at the end of the day, like coaching is a competitive space, like yeah. super competitive. Mm -hmm. Yet, you know, yeah, you 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 are, yeah, like say identified as like the top ten coach to watch in twenty twenty one, alongside Tony Robbins, who's obviously a big name in the field. Um, mm -hmm. You've been called Master of Success, I believe, by the Wall Street Journal, which <laughs> I'm going to ask you about separately. But how? how does one who's obviously because you don't become a coach just because you want to become a coach you usually become a coach because you've gone through a similar journey of transformation or evolution mm -hmm. how have you done it so damn well <laughs> <laughs> First and foremost, <laughs> made a lot of mistakes like i said on the journey you know like i said like now with the boot camp we, we shortcut people's journey by showing them the stuff that has worked but ultimately being good at what you do doesn't mean anything. People don't know that you're good at it. So, so yeah. you know, I remember, and it was really funny, like when, when I had like the Forbes article came out in January, all of a sudden, oh my God, like I just read your thing and people suddenly start responding to your stuff on Facebook. And but I'm saying exactly the same thing that I've been saying for the past two, three years. And you've been following me 
right? Even little things like people will send me private messages. Like, I love the content you're putting out. I've never seen them like a single post, <laughs> right? They never like it. They never share it, <laughs> right? But they oh, you've changed my life. Oh, thanks for the, <laughs> thanks for the like and the reshare, mate. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But then like when you get, when, when there was a bit of social proof, then all of a sudden people share, people comment, people give you a shout out, all that kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. there's this, this idea, these social constructs that people sit, sit in. And when you understand these social constructs, then you see that people just need like a nudge. So for me, for example, having PR representation, I tried it earlier, didn't mean anything because I didn't have enough of a body of work. I didn't have enough, like now I've got testimonials, I've got this, I've got that, I've been in different stages and blah, blah, blah. But people get to overcome the excuse that they can't listen to what I've got to say because I've got the social proof. Mm. But the social proof wouldn't mean anything if I hadn't got the results. So what I find is people like, they focus on, they want to, I remember I wanted to get 10,000 followers on Instagram and it was my mission to get 10,000 followers. I was doing like JVs with people on Instagram. I was getting shout outs. I was doing the, um, uh, giveaway loops, targeted ads to get to 10,000. It's like, cause I wanted to do the swipe up thing. I just wanted to swipe up on my story. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I wanted to be able to just swipe up on my story. So I needed to get 10,000. And I was, I was like, what does it matter really? What matters is that I'm actually having real impact with people. Then I kind of just let go of it. I was like, ah, let go of it. I don't really care. What I care about is actually having a real, and it's something Gary Vaynerchuk actually said. He said, it's better that you have a hundred people that you're actually having a real impact with and actually engage with your stuff. than you've got 20 million people and they're not even really listening to what you have to say. Mm. And if you care about the 20 million, he didn't use those figures, but if you care about the 20 million, you're just a, a loser, I think he said. Mm. He said you're just a loser. <laughs> so what I focused on now is having an impact on the lives of the people I actually work with. The more I put energy into that, the more I'm finding that those people are actually being my cheerleaders, effectively, going out into the world. A lot of the relationships that have led to me making quantum leaps has come from people who have had their life changed by my work, have started off chains of, of connection, has ended up with me actually meeting. So my speaking coach, who's the one that put me into the movie, I met her through my friend Valerie. I met Valerie at an event I went to. I went to that event because another friend of mine suggested me going to it. I know that friend because I got connected by them with someone whose life was changed by my work. So it started off this chain of events. That means now I'm going to be in a movie. <laughs> right? So it, it all tracks back to how we're showing up and what we're doing. There should be some deliberate action every day in terms of connecting with your audience. There should be some acknowledgement of the fact that, yeah, it's a competitive space. But the edge is who you are, what you're doing, honoring relationships, and also doing everything you can that day to give all that you can to the people that you do serve and to look for ways to serve others. That's Mm. what I do. Mm. Like right now, we're spending money on ads on Facebook, not to sell anything, but to put my content in front of people. So I'm making that investment in getting my content in front of people so people can see who's this person. Now, when they go to my page, they're going to see a load of social proof. So, oh, he's worth listening to that story that they're going to use to not actually access the the material isn't there anymore because I've made the investments in those. But now I'm connected with more people. They'll come into my world. 
I give away so much free stuff. They're probably going to, most of them are going to do free stuff. It's not even really about selling. I make enough money from the other stuff that I do, but the impact that I'm able to have comes from actually having a real impact on the people that I do serve and then doing everything I can that day to expand that reach. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, this question is probably just an extension of what we, what you just saying there, but where does the master of success come from? Like, why is that? Why is that? It's just the name of the series. It's just the name of the series. So there was like a load of people that are great at bringing success out of people. And they wrote a series of, I think it was like 10 of us or I think 10 people. Okay. So we got pitched um, to the writers of the, of the, of the, the piece. They do your profile. Um, I didn't need to get interviewed because Nick vouched for me, but normally like they did like an interview process and like they check your workout, they will like read your body of work. And then if you meet the criteria and they're happy, then they put you forward. Mm. Again, relationships. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's the same thing like with the, the top 10 thing that I got the other day. Again, I got pitched by someone that I had a relationship with, checked my body of work. Oh, he's actually good at what he does. He's up and coming. This is what his, his journey's been. Definitely watch out for him this year. And that's it. Okay, amazing. Mm. Um, that's cool. I mean, the, the, yeah, the relationship thing, I think is interesting because, um, yeah, I've had, I mean, I've had people on this podcast before as well saying like, when they've, you know, got themselves into trouble or things have not worked out, it's often a relationship that saves the day. And as long as you mm -hmm. have, yeah, as long as you have some core, uh, yeah, I guess, like you said, relational capital, mm -hmm. um, as long as that's something you've invested in, then, mm -hmm. you, yeah, you can actually not worry so much about mm -hmm. the ups and downs of <laughs> the ups and downs of business. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So actually, that might be a good question to ask then. Like, what's a, what's a, what's a good way to invest in your relational capital? Like, is it going to events? Is it like identifying some people and then like, you know, trying to chase them down and build a relationship with them? Like, what's a good- I would say that it's being real. Okay. Just being real. Because at the end of the day, if you go into relationships not being yourself, those relationships aren't going to have the substance that's actually going to mean something. Yeah. Number one. Number two, people will feel you before they see you. Like, you know, like you're a young lady, even like guys, like, you know, when a guy's like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, I just want to be your friend. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> you're, you're laughing because you know what I'm talking about, right? No, no, no. I know you got a boyfriend, but I'm just trying to be your friend. <laughs> like, you've heard the line, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Many you've heard times. the line at the bar, right? <laughs> um, and for the for the lads of the audience, we know ladies do it too, but I'm making a point. But the point, but what I'm saying is, is that we feel the energy of relationship before a word is even spoken. Some people are good at having cover, but sooner or later, they have to tell the truth. Like for me, I'm ultimately suspicious of anyone who thinks they're my best friend straight away. Mm. Like we don't know each other. Mm. Oh my God, we're best friends ever. Sooner or later, either you're gonna realize that we are best friends or you can realize that we're not. <laughs> and either everything's gonna fall apart or you're gonna keep pretending and it's just gonna be icky. Yeah. So regardless of, of the medium with which you connect with people, just be your authentic self add value to others everywhere you go. I've had like relationships I've made on social media that like now, like a relationship I've made on social media, I'm gonna be a writer for Entrepreneur Magazine. A relationship, 
the, I don't even, I, I didn't go out there intentionally doing anything. I was just being my authentic self, adding value to the lives of others. And that's ended up creating an authentic, strong, real expansive relationship that serves everybody. Mm. Yeah. So we can go to networking events, we can go into virtual things, we can join Facebook groups. What more important is that we're authentic and we're adding to the lives of others. Mm. Oh, yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, and I think as well, it's quite liberating because by that, you know, everybody can have really meaningful, productive relationships that, mm-hmm. yeah, can you know carry them forward for years and years exactly. like, like yours have. Um Okay, I wanted to um, ask actually, because um, you've mentioned it a few times, um, this, uh, the beyond intention paradigm. Yes. Um, and from, uh, from your initial um, message that you sent me kind of introducing yourself, it seemed like that was something that you developed um, for yourself first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously now you've, you, that's how you, um, you know, serve people and help people. So can you just explain like what it is, like what's the, mm-hmm. what's the beyond intention paradigm and how, like, cause what I think is interesting about you is you obviously, you have a lot of content around transformation and, you know, um, you know, how living a kind of fulfilling life and, um, but you also have a lot of content around like business and attracting wealth and, mm-hmm. um, so I'd actually like to ask like how it ties into like, yeah, let's say attracting wealth because mm-hmm. podcast is called Millionaire Secret. So I teach something called bleed theory and what bleed theory invites us to look at is the fact that the separations that we hold within ourselves are illusionary. We're whole, but our belief systems create these separations. Okay. So the way that we sharpen our relationship to people is no different from the way we sharpen our relationship to money. There's a symbiotic relationship between the two, but we've got this illusionary break between them that makes us think, oh, you know, that's not affecting it. They do affect each other, the mirrors of each other. Sometimes we see that mirror through, you know, different lenses, but there is a mirror. When I started to talk about financial abundance, it was interesting because I actually wanted to teach people directly, this is how you create your own reality. This is how you create your life. But people started listening when I said, and I'm going to teach you how to use that to be a millionaire. (laughs) And then when they came into my world and I lured them in, I'm like, but this is the thing. You have to learn to create your own life in order to create a life where you're a millionaire. Yeah. Or where you're financially free or where you've got your bills paid or whatever. Yeah. So it was really just like a hook to get people in so that I could do what I really wanted to do, which is to give them (laughs) self-empowerment. And they listened to it. Then people got in, we got results. And that's really what supported me. You know, when you made a few people millionaires and financially free, and they can heal their relationships with their parents and found love in their life and blah, blah, blah. Then you've got the case studies, right? Mm -hmm. So the way that we do that is we choose, we consciously choose what we're feeling, what we're thinking and what we're doing, because those things come together to be who we are and who we are affects what we experience. Beyond intention is a four-step model that allows us to make that choice and also to move beyond the resistance that stops us showing up as the person who's going to be getting what we, what we want to create. So those four steps are accept, which is at its right base. I'm the author and creator of my life. Everything that's happened up to now has been my choice. Everything that comes forward is my responsibility. Yeah. Step two is clear, which is recognizing that now is the only point in time that's real. The past is memories, the future is expectations. Memories are going to be distorted. Expectations aren't even real. They're based on my emotional relationship to my past. Yeah. So 
get present and make the right choice. Gratitude is about formulating a positive expansive expectation, embodying it by being grateful for something that hasn't happened yet. And then step four, listen, is about honoring that I'm human. I'm not gonna be switched on all the time. I'm not gonna get it right every day. I'm not always gonna be happy. I'm not always gonna be buzzy. Not every day is gonna be up my spiral and full of buzz. Some days I'm gonna be sad. Some days I'm gonna be depressed. Some days I'm gonna be a butthole. Some days I'm just, it's contrast. Mm. And by honoring a conscious relationship to what I'm thinking and feeling, I can ask myself, is what I'm thinking and feeling now leading to what I want? Do I need to kind of take a break and spend some time by myself? Do I need to just be sit and sit and be sad for a couple of hours or maybe even a day? Do I need like a sorry for myself day just to like recalibrate because something sad's happened? But because it's a conscious relationship, as soon as that time is passed, I can get back in the saddle and keep going again. So those are the four steps of beyond intention and how it ties into everything because everything's tied to everything, whether it's money, business, relationships, or what have you. Mm, okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's really helpful actually. And uh, again, it seems quite liberating. I'm just I'm am f- feeling a big sense of liberation, like from speaking to you. Like <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I'm just feeling like yeah, yeah, the yeah, <laughs> this feels like I, I don't know. I'm quite like a I don't know how to describe myself, but I yeah, I guess I'm a little bit. Um, is empath empathetic is empath you're an empath mm-hmm. yeah I, just, <laughs> I feel things and I don't always understand why I feel them but mm-hmm. um yeah with you I just feel a big sense of liberation just in well a like, like the content you've given today like and yeah the I guess the the way you see the world um and it was kind of it comes back to the thing what you were saying before about like a lot of the time like the best way you can give people that hope that they can change is actually just to talk to them and just to like show them <laughs> what you've done and what you continue to do um and I'm feeling that like right now <laughs> so first of all thank this you is, this is what this no, thank you this is what lights me up this is why I get up in the morning <laughs> um so yeah so I would actually um I'd love to finish off I always finish off on the same question mm-hmm. um and yeah it kind of ties everything together I find obviously the name of this uh, podcast is Millionaire Secrets Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really yeah as a, I'm it, this is a selfish like adventure I'm I'm literally looking to learn myself <laughs> and then best way that with people <laughs> best way best way best way so, uh, <laughs> so I would love to know what your millionaire secret is it's not that big a deal like people that want to have a seven figure business like yeah that's $80,000 or £80,000 a month, mm. right? That doesn't seem as big as having a seven-figure year business. That's 20 grand a week. Might feel like a lot, but let's break that down. 20 grand a week just means I need to solve problems for people that hits that, that level. If it's a coaching program, if it's online courses, like it becomes a much smaller thing when I say, hang on a minute, 20, maybe that's 10 people at two grand, two people at 10 grand. Then I can look at my resources and I can say, what relationship? Because the thing is that people think is, you don't even have to be the one that's actually doing the delivery of that service. You can actually partner up with relationships. You can partner up with people. When I was building my life back up again, I was using trade finance. I didn't have the banks. I wasn't doing the trade finance. I was connecting people with someone who still knowed, loved and trusted me and gave me the opportunity to, for them to serve my clients mm. through trade finance. 
I got like half a percent or quarter percent per deal. But what was happening was someone else was doing the delivery. I was simply bringing them together. Yeah. So solving a problem doesn't even mean you need to be the executor of the, the problem solving. It could just be that you find here's a common problem. Here's someone over here that's got a solution. I'm bringing them together. And by solving problems of, of a big enough size, you can be a seven figure a year business in very, very short order. Mm. All right. So drop it. Like a lot of people, oh, I'm going to be a six figure coach. Six figure coach is eight grand a month. Like it's not really that exciting. Yeah. Eight grand a month. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. Two grand a week. That's one client a week. Mm. If you're out there serving, actually providing a solution to a big enough problem, two grand a week shouldn't be that big a deal. Yeah then it's a matter of scaling that and putting that solution in front of enough people in order to, to get the outcome that you want. Mm, amazing. Yeah, that's cool. That's a, yeah, I think it's good to finish on that level of clarity. It kind of really, it really good. did tie everything together. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the, the general feeling from today. So uh, thank you so much for your time, Daniel. Um, no, it's been fun. Yeah, it's been, I've already told you how, how great I found it personally. Because <laughs> <laughs> then, then your mission's accomplished and my mission's accomplished. <laughs> so much for listening and please don't keep these millionaire secrets to yourself i actually have a favor to ask you now we're in season two i really want to get this podcast out in front of more people which means pleasing the podcast algorithms so starting from now every week i'll be selecting one person who leaves a five-star review or who shares this podcast with a friend to have a free business coaching session with me. If you would like to hear more from me or get to know me a bit more, um, you can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at Beth and Jepson. Or you can join the Success Circle Network Facebook group. Or you could visit bethandjepson.com for a whole bunch of free resources for building a business that not only allows you to scale to seven figures, but that also allows you to scale your business and have time for the things that make you happy and healthy. Success without sacrifice is my ethos. I am so thrilled to be recording podcasts again. So please get ready for some great episodes this season and I will see you and speak to you all very soon. <laughs>